As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. One of the options is natural family planning. So this is where you are not taking any kind of hormones, birth control pills, no patches, nothing inserted, nothing like that. This is, I'm going to keep track of my cycle and my ovulation and body temps and that kind of stuff and decide when I'm going to have unprotected sex or not. When you follow this method diligently, this is what I was talking about earlier, it's actually 97 to 99% effective. So it's pretty effective. Now, of course, you're going to hear different stories, different people. When it is followed diligently, when you actually follow the method, it is that productive. It's that effective. Getting pregnant and giving birth are two of the most exciting things you can ever hope to experience in this life. The moment you think you could be pregnant, you're frantically searching for all the best information, which is why you're here today. I'm Stephanie King, and with my many years of experience as a professional childbirth educator, doula, and lover of all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, I'm here to make preparing for your birth enjoyable, empowering, and totally easy. Each week, I'll cover different topics, interview professionals, and get into the nitty-gritty birth stories from mamas just like you. And when you're ready for more, you can join me in the My Essential Birth course at myessentialbirth.com, where I take you step-by-step through exactly how to prepare your mind, body, spirit, and partner for a birth you love. So let's get started. It's time. The My Essential Birth postpartum course is here. Whether you're pregnant, just got baby home, or weeks and months into postpartum, this is the course for you. No more wondering what's normal for your body postpartum, if baby's eating or pooping enough, or how to get a good latch. You now have an all-in-one resource where you can click a topic and get the answer. Learn more at myessentialbirth.com forward slash postpartum and add it onto the My Essential Birth course for even less when you bundle them at checkout. Already in the course? Check your student library and add the course for the same discount. I can't wait to support you on your postpartum journey. The review this week is from Simply Sabrina. She says, love, love, love. I just love this podcast. I found you just by searching pregnancy podcast as I am currently almost 20 weeks pregnant with our rainbow baby. Congratulations. That's awesome. I'm naturally anxious and my ways to cope are often educating myself via reading or listening to podcasts. Finding this has been a lifesaver and has actually made me more comfortable with doing a natural delivery and standing in my decision. Even getting hubs into listening to 
too. Going to be signing up for the birth course soon. Can't wait. And also thank you for creating this podcast. Thank you so much for everything that you said. Congratulations on your awesome rainbow baby. And I love that you can just pop this in and feel good about whatever kind of birth you want to have. Um, I will say it's been really interesting over the years to watch women feel empowered behind whatever decision they choose to make. Uh, however, I will say that as I have taught women specifically in the birth space, about how their body is made for birth and the process of birth and how women are strong. Many times women who are choosing to get epidurals or have um, any kind of medication or whatever during birth end up going the more natural, quote unquote, natural or towards that unmedicated route. And I mean, I am the same way. I think I just like you guys have heard my birth stories before. But when I got into like pregnancy and stuff, I was like, just whatever everybody else does, you know, yes, I'll do that thing. And at the same time, had a deep desire to like do things unmedicated for myself and really just feel the experience and work with my body to do those things. But I didn't know how. And so, yes, I love offering this information that hopefully is super empowering and really just gives you guys a boost of energy and excitement around birth where you can trust yourself and your body and your baby because really that's what it's all about. Enough of that tangent, though, because today's episode is actually a little closer towards the postpartum side of things, but something I want you to start thinking about now while you're pregnant. Now, if you're listening and you're already postpartum, maybe you've already had this conversation with your provider. Maybe you've already thought about some of these things. And that's great. If you haven't or if you have, you can still get a ton out of this episode. Today, I want to talk about birth control options. So birth control itself is going to be, <laughs> it's one of those con- controversial topics, right? Is this something I take for myself if we're talking about that kind of birth control, um, natural family planning method, like what are the options uh, and like what effects does it have on our bodies? I'm not necessarily going to get into all the details of that. I don't think I have enough time to really go through the A to Z's of, of everything. But I do want you to know that after you have your baby, you are going to be faced with couple of options. And one of them will be a discussion with your care provider, likely about birth control. Now you can go as far into that conversation as you want or stay as far away as you desire. But it is something that's probably going to get brought up. And maybe you're not thinking about it at all at the time. And so this will give you an opportunity to kind of mull that information around in your head and hopefully be able to at least have some thoughts or some questions to ask your provider prior to giving birth and also after because things, how you're feeling about it now might change for how you're feeling, feeling about it later. Um, yeah, this, so this, I will say this typically happens, this discussion, nobody talks to you about it before you are giving birth because you're already pregnant, no need for birth control. But after it's usually here in the United States, that six week appointment. So it's your postpartum appointment, that six week appointment. If you have an OB where you meet and, and they talk about all kinds of things, right? Depression and your breasts and your uterus and, and whatever else. And then they ask you like, and what are you doing to prevent? Um, many will give you their opinion if you're saying nothing. <laughs> and that's fine. That is your choice. Should you choose to do nothing to prevent? Um, just be aware that the question is coming. But I wanted to walk you through a couple different options that may come up for you and just to get you thinking right now. Uh, option number one, not in any particular order, but one of the options is natural family planning. So this is where you are not taking any kind of hormones, birth control pills, no patches, nothing inserted, nothing like that. This is I'm going to keep track of my cycle and my ovulation and body temps and that kind of stuff and decide when I'm going to have unprotected sex 
or not. So it's also called another word for it is fertility awareness. Um, as I said, it doesn't use any drugs, devices, surgical pr- procedures or anything like that to prevent pregnancy. And so this is one of those where if you have this conversation with your provider, they're probably going to be like, well, you know, there's a really good chance you can still get pregnant, which is not necessarily true. Uh, yes, there is always a chance of pregnancy, particularly when I mean, there's even a chance when birth control is involved. If we're talking about like hormones or surgical procedures or other things like that, the chances uh, for natural family planning might be a little slightly less. However, if it's done right, the percentages are pretty high that you will not get pregnant. Talk about that in a sec. Um, the, the nice thing about this is it's hormone free. So you're not messing with any of your hormones. Um, I'm not saying if they're off, it's not something you need to be looking into or discussing. But as far as using hormones to stop you from getting pregnant, you don't have to do that. So there's other side effects that come with using something like hormones. So that is something to consider um, when you're planning on on how to do the, the planning method. So it also allows you to be in charge of your fertility and to be more aware of what's going on with your body and your menstrual cycle, which I like the idea of personally, simply because I didn't know any of that stuff or pay attention to it at all until after my third baby. And so even if you choose to do some different kind of um, family planning or birth control, I think it's really good just to like have that information, understand and know your cycle So even if you are preventing, um, just keeping an eye on those things, I think is really good. There are three different fertility signals to monitor. So you're going to look at your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature, and the length of your menstrual cycle. So particularly, and I'll put, um, I'll link the episode in the show notes about fertility that I did a couple years back, but I've gone over this um, a little bit before where we talk about you're paying attention to your cycle. And remember when I'm talking about due dates, right? This is, it's so good for you to know anyways, no matter what you do. But you need to pay attention to your cycle. When does it start? When does it stop? Is it a regular, quote unquote, regular? Is it an average 28-day cycle? Is it shorter? Is it longer? And then you want to pay attention to your basal body temperature. Basal body temperature is, and they have basal body temperature thermometers. When I was doing this, I didn't necessarily buy one of those fancy monitors, um, thermometers. I just bought something off of Amazon. Um, it wasn't called like a basal body temperature monitor, whatever it was. <laughs> um, it was just a thermometer. Uh, the key though is that you are waking up at the same time every morning to an alarm. So like before you like naturally wake yourself up. So like mine was like 6 a.m. or 5.30, something like that. And every day at that time, the second that alarm goes off, your thermometer is right next to you, you pop it in your mouth and you take the temp and then you load it into whatever app you're using or keep track of it on paper. And what happens is when you ovulate, there will be a spike in temperature and that remains until you get your period. That spike, that temperature will stay up and that's how you know, okay, ovulation has occurred. The other thing that you get to track with this is your cervical mucus. So you have all different kinds of cervical mucus throughout the month as you go through different cycles of menstruation. One of them that you have are those like sticky egg whites, if you've heard that before. So when you have that mucus down there, that is very fertile mucus. It is another sign of ovulation. So your basal body temperature and that cervical mucus, those two things should kind of go together and tell you this is when I am most fertile. Right. And knowing that, too, it's not just as soon as you see that, oh, shoot, I can get pregnant because semen takes a couple of days or can take a couple of days to like get moving and go upstairs and find its place. You definitely want to be careful a couple of days prior and a couple of days after. So there's a whole window of um, paying attention to these things. But it it 
is good information to know for many different reasons, one of which is, am I going to get pregnant or not? When you are fertile, you can either do something like use a condom or you can abstain. So you can also use the pull-out method, but we all know that doesn't always work all the time. So whatever you and your birth partner (laughs) decide is the best way for you guys. Um, When you follow this method diligently, this is what I was talking about earlier, it's actually 97 to 99% effective. So it's pretty effective. Now, of course, you're going to hear different stories, different people when it is followed diligently when you actually follow the method, it is that um, productive. It's that effective. So the the thing about it, though, and I think this is important to note, especially right here, is that it takes a good three to six cycles to be reliable. So you can't just like start off and you're like, I get it. <laughs> you know, you need a couple of months of um, paying attention to cycles, understanding what your cycle's doing, um, and keeping track of all those things. Now, I named some of the advantages of this method, but what are some of the disadvantages with this method? If you get sick, any kind of illness can affect or skew your readings. So it's a little bit more temperamental in how you're judging things. It definitely requires more work and diligence on your part. It can be a little trickier if you've got babies that are waking up during the night as far as like making sure that you are up at the right times to be able to take that basal body temperature. Um, Like I said, it takes three to six cycles to be reliable. So if you guys are both loving each other and want to get back in the bed shortly after having your baby, uh, then you need to be a little bit more careful, maybe using a condom or other methods um, before relying on this as your sole way to um, keep yourself from getting pregnant. You also have to use a barrier to abstain during your fertile window or Yeah. (laughs) Or the other thing I said. Um, And it can be challenging if you have irregular cycles. So if you notice whether or not you have irregular cycles before that they are irregular after having your baby, that can mess up the really understanding when you're ovulating and when it is safe um, to have sex without a condom and trust that you won't get pregnant or not. So those are some things to consider. Here's one that you may have heard about and you this I think this will be really good because it'll give you some more information behind why people say it works um, versus why they don't say it works. But this one's called the lactational amenorrhea method. In other words, this is where you are exclusively breastfeeding and your cycle hasn't returned postpartum. Now, it is not just I am breastfeeding my baby and I don't have a period so I can't get pregnant. That is the kind of tricky place that we get into. So these three conditions need to be met before this method is effective. Number one, your menstrual cycle has not returned at all since you've had your baby. Number two, you are exclusively breastfeeding both day and night. And number three, your baby is less than six months old. So after that six months, it's a wild card. Even before, you do have to be a little bit careful, right? Like... As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth 
affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Our bodies are all different. And so be aware of that. But these are those three criteria that say this is really effective when these three things are met. Now, it works as a birth control method because ovulation is suppressed during that time, or it can be when baby nurses frequently at the breast. So that is why that method works. However, it's not always the case for moms whose cycles return early despite exclusively breastfeeding. So if you get your cycle after having your baby, even though you are breastfeeding day and night, that baby is only three months old, but you get your cycle back, there is a chance that you could be ovulating with that. And so this method does not become um, a really effective method necessarily at that point. I definitely hear from moms in our Facebook group who have been waiting for cycles to return for 12 to 15 months postpartum and they're ready for another pregnancy. So this method can be very effective, but remember just those top three things that need to be met with this one. When those conditions are met, this method is 98% effective. So at least for the first six months, if all of these things are met, that is something that you can rely on in the way of effectiveness. Of course, it is not 100%. Nothing is, but 98% is pretty high up there. Let's chat IUDs. So these are intrauterine devices. It is a tiny T-shaped piece of flexible plastic that is inserted into your cervix. There are two types. One is copper. The benefit of copper is it is hormone-free. Copper kills sperm. Uh, it works by preventing the sperm from reaching the egg and... However, it does have side effects like heavy periods and severe menstrual pain are some that have been reported, cramps, bleeding between periods. Obviously, there's going to be pros and cons to everything that we do with our bodies. I don't know exactly the amount of time or if there are studies that have gone into um, having like copper in the body for extended periods of time, what that does, metal and uh, just thinking, I mean, we call it this like more natural because it doesn't have hormones. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't have side effects. So, and you've heard a couple of them. That those are definitely things that I've heard from women. Um, the like heavy periods, severe menstrual pain, cramping, um, spotting, all that kind of stuff. So, it it I I find that one kind of a mixed bag. And again, it is whatever moms choose to do. But it is something to kind of be aware of if you're doing this one or the hormone one, which I'll get into in just a sec. You want to make sure that you're keeping track of how you're feeling. Um, even like, yes, it doesn't have any hormones, but it doesn't mean it doesn't affect hormones. And so just paying attention to how you're feeling, what your body's doing, um, all that kind of stuff is going to be really important. Now, as far as hormonal IUDs, these release a synthetic version of uh, progesterone called progestin, and it thickens mucus in the cervix. So remember when we were talking about ovulation and you want to keep track of that like sticky egg white, that's the like really good stuff that like helps the sperm get to where they need to be and um, hopefully be able to implant. Well, this blocks sperm from swimming and reaching the egg. It bogs them down. It makes it too thick. And I don't know why that visual is really funny to me right now. But like those poor sperm like can't go anywhere. The poor little salmon swimming upstream. Uh, anyways, it also thins the lining of the uterus and it can sometimes suppress ovulation. It's not guaranteed, but it can. And that's something to um, be thinking of too, because anytime we mess with, and I don't mean that in any 
particularly negative way. But anytime we do anything that has an effect on other things in our body, there um, it's not necessarily the situation is not necessarily like only affecting that one thing. And so we just have to keep that in mind, right? Even when we're talking about pregnancy and it's like, should I take this or this? And it's like, well, you're trying to solve one problem, but is solving that one problem going to have other effects? Yes, it will. So keep that in mind. Some issues that I've seen um, in the way of hormonal birth control, whether that is starting out as teenagers and taking it or women taking it once they are older and after they have children, however that looks, is Sometimes you'll have issues with getting being able to get ovulation back or being able to have a period again or being able to have regular periods or uh, whatever it does to, you know, effects in the ways of like the amount of bleeding that you have or headaches or um, fatigue. Like there's a lot of other things to that kind of come into play. So I definitely say just keep track of understanding and knowing your body. And that can be hard to do when, especially if like the first time you're going to take something like this is after you just had a baby and your hormones are kind of wonky and all over the place and you're running around after toddlers and you're tired anyways. You're like, wait, is this just like mom life or, you know, am I having other things going on? So try to keep track of yourself and, and what you're feeling. But with uh, the thinning of the the uterus, the lining of the uterus and suppressing ovulation, those are some of the ways that obviously it's going to prevent. It's not just the mucus, it's those other things as well. And then side effects can include headaches, acne, weight gain, breast tenderness, which is never fun, irregular bleeding, which can improve after six months. That's a long time to like if you're trying to figure something out, but it can improve after six months. Changes in your mood, cramping and pelvic pain, and even ovarian cysts. So all things to keep in mind. Also, depending on what kind of hormone they're using, obviously, they hopefully will tell you this. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but there can be um, risks of blood clots. Um, and so they should ask you, you know, do you have any history of blood clots in your family or anything like that? Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well. Copper IUD lasts for 10 years, which is kind of crazy that you can have something in your cervix for 10 years and it can just stay there. I mean, not that you'd want it there if you're planning on having more babies, but anyways. And then the hormonal IUD lasts for three to six, depending on the brand. So then you'd have to swap those out at that point. Both are 99% effective. So very highly effective for keeping you from getting pregnant. And the idea is that when they are removed, your fertility will return, although that's not always the case. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Both are said to be safe for nursing moms. So it should not necessarily affect your breast milk or how much you produce, anything like that. Although, yes, it absolutely can. (laughs) So um, again, you know your body best. So if you're noticing effects to some of those things, pay attention. And even if you are going against the grain by asking your provider, hey, do you think it could be trust your intuition with that kind of stuff. The other thing I'm going to say that I didn't have listed here is if you are someone like me who has a very sensitive cervix, which mine is less sensitive now after I've had endometrial endometriosis surgery. Women, for other reasons, including endometriosis, can have really sensitive cervix. And so having something like this placed can be fairly uncomfortable. Same with getting it taken out. So that would be conversation to have with your provider. And if anything like hurts or doesn't feel right or whatever, like you you don't have to force yourself to do it. I'm just going to give you permission right there. There are other things that you can do. Now, For the pill, there are two kinds that are available. And this is the most common one, right? This is like everything that we hear about. Um, 
like since we've been young and maybe I'm talking to a different generation as I'm speaking right now. I don't know. Like IUDs and all of that like came at a later date for me when I first heard about them. Um, but there are two kinds of pills available. There's a mini pill and there's a combination pill. The mini pill contains only the synthetic form of progesterone. Uh, it's recommended over the combination pill for nursing moms. So if you're a nursing mom, then they're going to recommend the mini pill. If you miss a pill, it isn't effective. So you need to know with the mini pill, you're going to have to stay on top of that. Alarm on your phone, keep them in your bag with you at all times, whatever you have to do you're going to have to keep taking those. Uh, You have to take it every day at the exact same time. And if you are vomiting or you have severe diarrhea, then it's also not effective. So keep that in mind, any illness or anything that comes up like that. It's because it releases small doses of hormones. Um, And so with those small doses, you have to make sure that they're in there at all times, which is why it's timed and all that stuff. So you'll have to use a backup barrier for two to seven days, depending on the brand that you take. Um, And that would be something like condom, like we had talked about before. Side effects for this include acne, breast tenderness, and breast enlargement. I don't know that I would hate the second one, just going to say. Increased or decreased sex drive, mood changes, headaches, migraines, nausea or vomiting, ovarian cysts. As I'm reading all of this, I'm like, I get all these things without birth control, so jokes on you, right? Uh, It is 99% effective though when taken every day at the same time. So again, just as effective as IUD. Obviously, IUD don't have to think about um, something to take into consideration. And if you've got like an aversion to taking pills or anything like that, same thing. Um, With typical use, it says it's about 91% effective. So remember, you have to take it at the same time every single day to grab that 99% effectiveness. The reality is they're saying typical use, we'll put it at about 91% because women just don't hit that perfectly every single day. So keep that in mind. All right, now let's dive into some surgical options. If this is your like last one for sure, you know you're done, (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, Or even if you're listening now and you weren't sure if you were done and now you're sure that you're done, I'm gonna give you a couple surgical options. Um, Number one is not for you. It is for your birth partner and it is called a vasectomy. (laughs) So maybe you've heard that term before. I'm sure you have, but it is basically outpatient surgery to block sperm from reaching the semen. The semen still exists, but it has no sperm in it. So the body still makes sperm. It just is absorbed instead. This is super interesting, you guys. I feel like we spend a lot of time learning about our bodies and we force our husbands to do that. So now we get to learn about theirs. So how it's done is a urologist or surgeon will make two cuts on the scrotum, pull out the vas deferens and cut or tie or sear them. Oh, you guys. I'm just as an outpatient and like knowing the sensitive area that that would be. Oh, I just I don't know that. And they make it sound so like it's just a little snip, you know. Oh, my gosh. Anyways. okay. so pray for your husbands. Should you choose to have them do this? Just like they better be praying for us during birth. And let's go over risks. So there is an increased risk for prostate cancer. So that is important to know. And also chronic pain syndrome. So if something doesn't go well or body doesn't take it well or whatever, then there could be chronic pain, which obviously could be a concern for both him and for you. Um, Side effects after surgery include bleeding into the scrotum, soreness, swelling, and infection. So you're going to want to be careful and and take care of all those kinds of things. Um, Obviously, it's the most effective form that you're going to have of anything that we listed above in the way of making sure that you don't get pregnant, aside from abstinence. And it is permanent. 
Now, they also can do a reversal, but it just isn't guaranteed to work and it is costly. So keep that in mind. So if you, I think it's one of those things, like if you're really sure we're done, then then that might be a route to go if if that sounds good for both of you. Um, but if you're not, then it's not something that you can just really easily without thinking reverse and everything's going to work. It absolutely can. I know personal stories where this is the case. They had a vasectomy, decided they weren't done, had a reversal, had babies. Um, but it's not a guaranteed. So that's really important for you to know when you're considering that. Now, tubal ligation. This is the one for mom. This is if you've ever heard about like getting your tubes tied or um, anything like that, like anything with your tubes, that is an option. So it's an outpatient surgery to block eggs from traveling into the fallopian tubes and the sperm from doing the same. Uh, Fallopian tubes are cut, tied or blocked to permanently prevent pregnancy. So it is permanent, but you can try a reversal. However, it is usually unsuccessful in this case. The way that it's done is they make incisions in your abdomen and then they go and tie fallopian tubes. Risks involved with this surgery include damage to the bowel, bladder, or major blood vessels because anytime that they go inside the abdomen, there are other things involved in that area that can get nicked. Um, Reaction to anesthesia. So if you already know you have a reaction to anesthesia, like if you're a mom that can't have an epidural or something like that, or you have any other kinds of reactions to anesthesia, then then that can be an issue. And maybe you haven't had anesthesia before and then you do have an issue, that could be an issue. There could be, there's always the risk of infection anytime you do any kind of surgical stuff like that um, or any like problems with wound healing. And then you may or may not have continued pelvic or abdominal pain. So that's something to consider as well when you're doing something like this. And then there is the risk of the failure of the procedure. So that could result in you spending money and time out and still getting pregnant. So there's always that risk as well. Um, It is pretty effective though. Side effects after surgery include abdominal pain or cramping, fatigue, dizziness, gassiness or bloating, and shoulder pain. Shoulder pain is just from the way that they do the surgery and stuff and it does go away after a couple days. But anyways, so those were a lot of or a couple of the options that you have post baby to wait to have another baby. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. It's going to be whatever you and your birth partner decide on how you guys want to plan uh, having more children or not. So if you have any questions, definitely shoot me a DM at my essential birth or send me an email at hello at my I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'm excited to see you back next week. If you loved what you heard today, the very best way to support this podcast and help other moms to find it is to leave a quick review. I read one at the beginning of the episodes and I would love for yours to be next. And if you're ready for even more pregnancy, birth, and postpartum goodness, come join me in the My Essential Birth course at myessentialbirth.com where I will hold your hand and walk you through pregnancy and birth step-by-step so you're totally prepared for a birth you'll love. See you next week.